hi. Welcome to Faith Disrupted. And today we're talking about the male power culture and domestic violence in the church. But first we're going to talk about something a little bit less heavy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what's everyone been up to in the last week since we recorded? Oh, well, actually, you know what? I... I am deeply disturbed by The Handmaid's Tale. Thanks for the tip, guys. Oh, I feel stressed watching every episode and Bruce comes in just going, why are you watching this? Like, yep. but, but why? What's the point? And why would anybody watch this? And all I have to say is it's because everybody's watching it and it's important. <laughs> but, but I'm not enjoying it at all. I saw a post on Facebook today with someone saying, they, they're not sure if they're actually watching it because they want to and because they're enjoying it or just mm. because everyone's saying they should be watching yeah, it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. If no well, one else liked it, I would have been. I would have dropped out by episode mm. two. Really? Wow. I, I so. found it really compelling. No, I found it compelling too, but I am only halfway through and I've had to have a bit of a break over the last four or so days because I find, yeah, it's because I'll usually watch it before bed and it's, it is like very much uh, affecting me. My sensitive little soul. I will say I did mention last week we talked about would you watch it with your husband and I was like, I think Jace will like it but I'm not sure and he likes it. He's been watching it with me. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Date night. Nothing like a bit of uh, awkward concubine sex. (laughs) 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 And his eye, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, one other thing that is completely different and I just feel like I have to mention Trump every single podcast now, Uh but I (laughs) have um, stumbled across the Mia Friedman Tell Me It's Going to Be Okay podcast. Is it good? Yeah. Well, I've only listened to the most recent episode and so what she does is, and I kind of feel like she's, you know, she and I kind of work together now that I've had an article <laughs> on Mamma Mia. Oh, right. Day year, it's like we're like close friends. So yeah. I'm just trying to support the womanhood um, of journalists out there, of which I'm obviously <laughs> such a strong part. Um, so she, I think she normally chats to a different woman, but it was a different person this time because that other one's on her honeymoon. But they chat to an Australian woman who's based in the States. Mm. And basically Mia's just going, tell me it's all going to be okay with what's going on with Trump. And so they delve into what's happening in the political landscape, what everyone's saying um, in Washington. The stupid things that Trump's done this week, Yeah, I must say it's biased. I'm not going to lie. There is not a whole lot of Trump love there. So I know that's just perpetuating the stuff we've talked about previously around Mm. not hearing each other. But having said that, because you've got a journalist giving a perspective, of course, they're quite careful in what they say. And, Mm. um, you know, there's a level of objectivity going, look, this is just the vibe from Mm. the media at the moment and what they're uncovering. And the episode that is most recent at the moment is around the whole Donald Trump Jr. coming out with the mm, tweets yeah, of course. and yeah. like releasing all the emails, which the New York Times, I don't know if you ever saw the journalist from the New York Times um, who had been tra- chasing that story, trying to uncover um, the, the emails about meeting with the Russians. Did you hear mm, about that? No. no. And he, he just like, the, so... Um, the day that Donald Trump Jr. just put it all out on Twitter, this guy, Jared Yates Sexton, put on Twitter, I dot 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 worked on this story for a year, dot dot dot, and dot dot dot, he just dot dot dot, 
he tweeted it out. And then the next tweet is like, like I spent hours and days and weeks and months. And his son just hit tweet. I tracked down sources, followed so many dead leads, leads labored over this. And then he just, you know, tweeted out the proof. <laughs> like so many people out there were trying to track this down and it just got delivered on a tweet. What the hell? <laughs> it was awesome. So, yeah, I recommend it if you're interested in American politics, which I am. So I think it's going to be a nice way to kind of get the latest download and it gave me a lot more rich data and what's coming up and what to expect and even just the fact that Hillary and none of the Democrats are sticking their head above water on this. And they're just basically going, well, someone's creating the bonfire. You just let them keep building that bonfire. You don't step in, you know. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Yeah. Not to go too down too dark a path too quickly, but don't you think in the light of like Handmaid's Tale and even what we're talking about tonight, the fact that the American president is someone who can talk about grabbing a woman's pussy and the other revolting things he's said over time is the American president and has been condoned by so many conservative or evangelical churches and yet that has all been overlooked or ignored or explained away. I just think that's mm. fascinating the way we treat women and what we think is okay. Mm. Ouch. It's true. I found that, um, not to give too much away, I think it was episode three in The Handmaid's Tale where it yeah it does the flashback and that point around it just mm. happened slowly. I didn't yeah. know that I should have stood up. And it yes. just, yeah, that is so true, Ursh, around mm. evangelicals or just everyone being okay and putting Trump in. Mm. But it also just made me, I saw it at the same time that they announced the superpower P- Peter Dutton ministry uh. gig with, you know, immigration and security and all that, which I normally mm. don't even blink at that sort of stuff. I'm like, mm. whatever, it's yeah. Australian politics. But you just, and I'm not saying that that's going to lead to that kind of <laughs> crazy world, but it just, yeah, it just triggered in me. I'm like, wow, I really should probably take a bit more notice of what's going on mm. and when should we be speaking up? Probably Absolutely. more often than I ever do. Yeah, I agree. Yep. What about you, Tam? What have you been watching or reading? Ooh, um, so I needed something light after Handmaid's Tale, so I did Go to Glow, which is Yay. really fun. I haven't yeah, got there that, yet, but I will. Yeah, no, that's been fun. Um, I just started reading a really long book that is called A Little Life, and I can't remember the author. Um, it's been kind of highly recommended, but at the same time people have said it's a really distressing book because it's, yes, I've probably gone from Handmaid's Tale into something else equally as distressing, which is probably <laughs> not a great idea but um yeah so I can't tell you much about that it is it's yeah I'll be looking forward to debrief that Mm. once I've finished it's always nice to start a really big juicy book yes that's probably about it I went shopping today oh um on your own with no children no, yeah, oh, yeah, no children. I went with my mum, which was fun because she was buying me things. Yay! Birthday! Woohoo! Of course, money. birthday! Yeah, birthday money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Shopping's just not as fun as it was when we were 18 and used no. to. I just got so sick of doing the whole change room thing. Like, who can be bothered? <laughs> Next time. Particularly things oh. that require taking your pants off. Exactly <laughs> right. So I was trying frocks on over my dreams. Are you turning 59 tomorrow? <laughs> 
Uh, I love a good I love frock. A frock. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so by the end of it, mum's like, try it on. I'm like, nope, I don't love it that much. I really don't. Yes. I went and saw Wonder Woman the other day. Yay. It was so fun. It was yeah, good. I mean, look, it's essentially a comic book movie, so there's nothing super deep or even that great in the storyline, but I, it was really great to have a female heroine, you know, rushing out and not needing male help and, and just to be the focus, not the sidekick. Yeah. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed that. I wasn't sure whether, you, did you hear the kind of pushback by some feminists that saying it's like she only, of course she was the Amazonian gorgeous one and that she only really started doing anything once the guy turned up and she fell in love? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I think even as a Sorry. child. Spoiler alert. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't pick that. That does happen in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, but of course she's an Amazonian. So is Superman and Iron Man yeah, and all the and other, and... you know, yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not a – it's not like some big, amazing feminist manifesto, but it was a different to what we usually see on screen, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty cool. Do you know that she was five months pregnant when they were shooting that? What? What's the heck? Okay, yeah. that's not right. I know. I know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I've also been reading a beautiful book by Helen Garner called Everywhere I Look, which I've just loved her writing. It's so beautiful um and in light of what we're talking about tonight unless does anyone else have any other little promos they wanted to give go for it go for it she um she tells um this a little like she does like a bit of an interview with rosie batty and you can actually also read this on there's a website called the monthly that releases different essays but it is in this book everywhere i look and she just talks about how amazing Rosie was when she first came out to the media like the day after um her son Luke had been killed by his father and just how strong she was and how straight away she became this lightning post for talking about family violence and she you know just straight away was like it doesn't matter how nice your house is or how intelligent you are it can happen to anyone and everyone and Mm. yeah just her incredible grace in the midst of devastation and yeah Helen Garner just Mm. describes that so beautifully so it's a book worth reading about many topics but yeah I thought that was particularly what's it called again Ash? Everywhere I Look. So let's get to it so tonight um we all sat down and watched the 730 report because there was something there that we were interested in that has been in the news in the Mm. news yeah. Maybe in the, in the current affairs. Yeah. I have some interesting stats. So I guess we're talking about family violence, but particularly in church and in male power cultures. So can I read some stats out to start? Please do. On, yeah, please. on average in Australia, two women are murdered every week by their partner. One in four women women has experienced sexual or physical violence. Half of all women with an intellectual disability will be sexually abused. And um, 
get this one, see if you can guess this, Australian police deal with an estimated 657 domestic violence matters on average every day. You're going to say day, aren't you? Yep, every day. That's one every two minutes. So I think like those are just disgusting stats, but then I guess what's drawn us in and made us want to talk about this even more so tonight is the fact that um, now statistics are coming out saying that domestic violence is as prevalent, if not more so, in church. Yeah, do you know how Lee introduced it, and I don't uh, need to probably bring up the article saying that it shows evangelical Christian men are more likely? Mm. Is that what she said? Because I I was surprised by that and it didn't seem to be, I didn't hear the actual stat or any reference to how they have come to that conclusion because I understand, I know of one denomination focused on trying to address this with pastors Mm. and I understood that it was definitely prevalent in the church, which we'll talk about, Mm. but that it's not saying it necessarily is more so in the church, it's more that in the church, the encouragement is for people to stay married and stay together and work mm. through it or not talk about it, and that's why it's perpetuated. Yes. Yeah. It keeps going on. So I think also it, that article, that ABC article um, by Julia Baird, said that it was evangelical evangelical Christians who were, I don't know what the stats are either, but apparently she does quote them somewhere, Um it's those that are around the fringes, so they're churchgoers, but probably not the ones that you'd see every week or every second week. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Right. Yeah, more casual or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, I just doing some googling to try and find that article just now. Mm. The top story that came up when I googled was ABC attacks Christians as wife beaters. Oh, for goodness' sake! Thanks, oh yeah, Charles, I've son. seen I've seen some Facebook. Back and forth around yep. the evil lefty ABC, blah, blah, oh blah. Oh, my gosh, don't read the comments. It's the worst, no. isn't it? The comments on that ABC article were horrendous. So it was half, it was basically half men saying, for goodness sakes, this is fake news. Why don't you go and attack Muslims instead? No. Oh, my goodness. And the other half were Christian, I imagine, Christian women saying, this is ridiculous. This surely doesn't oh, happen. Christian, Christian men are so so lovely. Oh, my she goodness. She spent a whole year doing that story. Yes. Like, yeah. it's real, people. I'm sorry. This it's, is what um, Nathan Campbell says in his article um, that we should, as you know, as a Christian church, we should welcome this sort of criticism. And he talked about yes. how Baird actually did address Islam, like that was the first series so that addresses mm, that complaint yeah. well, these people are obviously not yeah. regularly reading abc articles yeah mm, and true. just saying you know let's take this as a reformation like let's not get all insecure and worry about i don't know that she's picking on the christian church which i don't think she is but let's move Even it if she is action. who cares the yeah. point is that it's been brought to light and yeah. how do we respond yes i actually i don't know if you saw um the journalist Julia Baird was on um, an ABC program um, that I saw online today. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been a breakfast program. And it was Sarah Ferguson, actually, I think it okay. was. Yep. And there was a, um, I think it was an Anglican minister. I think his name was Michael. I'm not sure. 
who exactly? It might have been Michael Jensen. Mm, not sure. But um, they were talking about the story. And so you could see that obviously try to pitch a uh, religious leader against the journalist who's sharing all this stuff. Mm. But I, I must say, and I'd love to have a link to this with the podcast, he did such a beautiful job. I just thought that is the mm. kind of posture with which you say, yeah, this isn't good enough and um, we're becoming aware of it. We've got a long way to go to address it, but yeah. we're on that road and it shouldn't. it is not okay. The Bi- yeah. And it was able to kind of really call out that the Bible does not say this is okay. That is not the teachings. Yeah, that's um, right. In any way. And there's probably a lot of Christian men who are going, you know, and women who believe in headship as the man is the head of the home kind of thing, who are going, well, this is not us and we don't want to be portrayed in this way. But we're not talking about those people here. We're talking about a culture that holds up headship, Mm -hmm. holds up male authority and control and therefore makes it, you know, uh, I think the studies say the greatest predictor of partner violence are environments that support male control. So while yeah. that may not be you or your husband or whatever, it's the culture and if you don't address that, it's going to continue. My hubby kind of came in after the um, the news report and I basically had to, I kind of, he's like, what are you watching? And so I had to summarise it in 50 words or less, which okay. is fun times. <laughs> But, um, you know, when I said to him that that's, you know, the stats are showing these things, he kind of had this kind of disbelief. And I said, but surely you can make that connection. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know that, you know, we don't see it in our, our friends and our family, mm-hmm. but surely you can see that it's this um, beginning of this allowance of that mm-hmm. control. I, I Do you think that... that what came out of that story was that churches are almost teaching that that's okay. I I couldn't quite work out whether that's what is actually happening is that this whole wives submit to your husband thing is actually saying, therefore you can go and do what you need to do in terms of domestic violence or, or is it just that that is interpreted wrongly by people? I mean, obviously, I doubt they're going to get a minister on the TV to say, I mean, and it was a bit awkward with mm. the archbishop as oh, it was, yeah, but he was wasn't awkward. going, oh, we're teaching it's okay to for domestic violence. But mm. um, do you think that's what she's uncovered? I think the big problem is that, no, they're obviously not saying, hey, men, it's okay to bash your wives. Mm. But what's happening is men are obviously misconstruing these verses, using them to... Mm justify that kind of behavior the big problem is that when women come back to the church to seek protection yes mm. that then they're not getting protected by the church so it's not that the it's not that the church is encouraging it it's only that they're kind of making the way for the men to to start that controlling behavior and then also not protecting the women that are suffering because of that so they're they're kind of throwing their hands up and saying, not our fault, but kind of is. It, it's so concerning to me. Is that really happening? I, I can't get my head around that. Well, that church is really- I, think, I think it's, I don't think it's as explicit as that. Maybe it is. Um, but uh, I'm just thinking like of a friend I know who's going through divorce and some of the comments from church friends have been, uh, I guess, skewed towards how can you save the marriage above all else rather than go how yeah. can and, and this I'm not saying it's a domestic violence situation but um it's not but 
you know, rather than going, how can this marriage be mutually beneficial? And if obviously it's not and you've got to that point and you've had counselling and whatever, um, instead of going, okay, then what's the next step? It's like, no, the marriage must be saved above all else because divorce mm. is, is you know, not good. It's not biblical or whatever. Even Even in cultures where there are lots of people that have divorced and remarried, there's still... And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that staying in a marriage is held up, but obviously not when there's violence, not where there's abuse of any kind. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also there's a couple of other areas I'm interested in understanding mm. is is generational. So it seemed like most of the women willing to share their story. So I don't know if that's because that they were older. They're probably my mum's kind of generation. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, mum, you're not old, but you know. Um, different generation to us and I I'm intrigued as to whether it is still happening Mm. I think it is my hunch in I think I might know some people where that's happening maybe without really knowing um or or is it not that's one of my questions I guess yeah and and I guess as we talked about my first episode around people leaving the church and so forth I just Mm. wonder are the ones that (laughs) sort of going to stay uh the ones that, yeah, kind of gravitate towards this more um, intense position or, yeah, or is it that they're not even using scripture to actually justify it? It's more just that because of that whole needing to stay in the marriage thing just gives them a little bit more leeway. Mm. Yeah, that they they know that they're not, they're going to be able to get away with it. Yeah, and they don't. I don't think any. I, well, I would like to think that they're not actively wanting to hurt their wives and going out. I just think it's you know probably a whole lot of their own family of origin crap, and mm. it comes out at times, and they probably feel terrible about it the next day or whatever mm. it is. This is me trying so. to make it nicer, right? But <laughs> you know, in my head, that's what I'd hope it would be. And then the the kind of the sense that they know that they've had these vows under God and that is mm. meant to be maintained gives them. makes the grace have to sit with the wife Mm. you know they have to be the ones willing to forgive each time yeah does that make sense so I don't yeah I just don't know if they're using scripture to justify or if they're just and I think this is where the headship thing is the problem because we don't focus as much on you know um husbands love your wife as Jesus loved the church like if you're being Christ-like you're going to love you're going to give of yourself you're not going to behave in this kind of way where you're you know violating somebody or you're putting someone down and I think that's what we need to talk about perhaps more explicitly and I have to say I'll give a little plug for my mum and dad's church uh, in Port Melbourne and my dad spoke the most amazing sermon in the week just gone by just this Sunday it was bouncing out of Song of Songs um, and talking about how this is a love poem where a man and a woman relate freely as equals give themselves as equals um, even you know really buck the patriarchal system and and it was such an amazing um, sermon but even in the midst of it I was almost embarrassed going yeah you know, like we know all this, we know that, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. We know if we're saying bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, like that that straight away talks about respect and love in a relationship and treating one another as equals. And I was almost embarrassed by him explicitly calling out domestic violence and saying, this is not okay, this is not biblical. But 
now, like in the last few days, having looked at these articles and then seeing the 7.30 report, I'm like, actually, this is exactly what needs to happen in the church. We need leaders standing up being explicit and calling out, you know, domestic violence in all its ways, whether it's, you know, physical violence, emotional, whatever, um, and actually calling it for what it is and holding one another to account. And I think if we hear that more in the church, hopefully some of this stuff will start to die out. It's it's so true and good on your dad. And I think that was really highlighted for me in Julia's question, the journalist's question to that bishop saying, of your 36 years, how many times that you've never done a a sermon on domestic violence? Mm. And his response back, you know, talking about relationship and all of that. Um, And I was like, yeah, you know, my instant response is like, yeah, fair enough. Like, why would you be pulling out that Mm. issue to talk about? You know, that's not necessarily a thing that has to be said from the pulpit, but Mm. I think you're 100% spot on, aren't you? Like, the stats don't lie. And and if we're going to bring about cultural change, you've got to hit it at every level. And sorry, bad analogy, but um, (laughs) you've got to be talking from the pulpit and um, yeah flowing it yeah. down and these churches that are, are teaching that headship like they're, they're very willing to admit that that they they do teach that the man is head of the family but if you're going to teach that then exactly you have to teach the other bit which is this does not mean that you get to bash your wife yeah you mm. can't just pick or control the finances or control who she sees or exactly yeah, yeah. And I think, to be fair, I mean, I don't know enough about this space, but I wonder if there's um, people in Christian marriages who would say they're egalitarian where there's still domestic violence and abuse, oh, right? Sure I don't know is. that you have yeah. to just say, That's oh, a I good believe point, the head of the home. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I was just been feeling really stressed all day knowing I had to watch that tonight yeah. Um, yeah. and talk about it. Why is that? I've been really unsettled by it because um it's it feels so foreign to me I don't Mm. um it's kind of like where you I don't know for you guys but I just need to compartmentalize stuff that I can't get my head around Mm. and Mm. want to protect my heart in a way like Mm. I I genuinely can't imagine being just how traumatic it would be Mm. to be afraid in your own home Mm. for yourself and your kids and to feel trapped and for those women yeah. to have been in that scenario for mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. that we're shown tonight and, and to know those stats, Ursh, around mm-hmm. how many us are in that oh, and dealing frightening. with that day. Outside of the church, inside the church, whatever, it's, yeah. it, it weighs on me and I, I love how much Australia is rallying and around the rosy baddie, mm-hmm. you know, leading the way and having the conversation and, mm-hmm. and, and yet I feel so helpless sitting here in my living yeah. room yeah um what what do you actually do about it so I think yeah I feel stressed about it and I hate that the church has just been called out on it yeah I hate that it makes me angry no Um, I like that they've been called out they need to be called out but I know what you're saying the fact that it's an issue yeah Yeah. the fact that's an issue and they should be leading it they should yes they should be leading this backlash against domestic violence not Mm. lagging behind again but then what but I guess the question is what's our role in that too right so it's so easy to not so easy but I agree with you and I think uh, leaders have a responsibility to to speak up on it and Mm. but I just you know as a congregation member as a woman Mm. as 
um, a human being, what's our role? What do we yeah. do? You know, I'm challenged by we- that even because I was thinking about like um, in playgroup with my little daughter that there's a number of people in there who, you know, they believe in headship and presumably that's how their marriage works and I don't agree with that um, reading of the scripture with that way of enacting it out personally for me. But when it comes up in conversation, I'm so over the conversation that I just I won't talk to it and I won't stand up mm. and say, oh, actually, I don't believe in headship. We don't work like that and that's not how it works in our relationship um, and give the reasons why, not in not to talk anyone down but to open up the conversation. But I think yeah, because yeah. I'm so over it, I just mm-hmm. don't do that. And also because I don't want to be seen, you know, I was in ministry for a long time. So when those conversations were happening, I was in ministry in a church. I was a pastor in a church who I would say probably their, their head leaders would believe in a headship type um, complementarian, whatever you call it, rather than egalitarian. And so I didn't mm. want to seem t- to be like, you know, bucking the system or causing trouble I think to be honest Mm -hmm. if I really look Mm. at some of my reasons um so I get a bit disgusted at myself about that Mm. yeah but you do you feel like you're gonna open you don't feel like you're opening up a discussion so much you do feel like you're opening up an argument yes I think it's such a touchy subject with people yeah yeah definitely and I think that's that in a way obviously is so deeply connected to the issue of domestic violence, but it also is a separate piece as well. Yes. Um, one thing that I've, I've come across, I, I mentioned Common Grace um, yeah. last time. They actually are running a domestic, anti-domestic and family violence campaign. Wow. So you can start, I mean, again, it become. I, I've worked in advocacy and I know how hard it is to give actions that people feel they're doing something mm. that actually will do something. I, I recognise it's tricky sometimes at the grassroots level, but there's a petition that you can sign just to affirm the government's decision to protect the legal services for women and children facing domestic violence. So I highly recommend it. We can put up that link. Um, that's one little step. That's super easy from our lounge room, right, to, that is, to do yeah, that's something. so good. And, you know, I think that's the thing, like continuing to um, pressure governments to keep funding up because they fund things that are important. And, you know, I was watching on Q&A the other night and they were saying, you know, again, if you look at those stats of, you know, two women murdered a week as opposed mm. to five Australians on Australian soil um, were killed in a terrorist incident in the last 20 years, which is terrible, mm. but look at the amount of effort and the whole Malcolm Turnbull standing with the military the other day and the amount of money that is going into national security and terrorism, anti-terrorism measures, and I bet you the amount that's going into domestic violence, protecting women, providing shelters for women and children, I bet you it's a drop in the ocean in comparison. It was the, these guys, Common Grace, also just um, it is worth kind of getting on their little mailing lists because at the end of last year, the 25th of November till the 10th of December, they had 16 days of prayer against domestic and family violence. So mm. I love that they kind of do stuff that is prayerful, reflective, action, action oriented as well. Mm. Um, and there's a whole lot of stuff you can read up about it. We had those stats that you'd been talking to as well, Ursh. Mm. Um, 
yeah but I yeah I think more money I feel my sense is and I must say I don't have the actual hard facts but it seems like a lot more money has been thrown in since um I guess Rosie Batty was Australian of the year mm. and kind of Absolutely. got enough momentum to start to shift but yeah I agree with you I reckon it must be just a fraction of what goes elsewhere mm. and also it I think it's fair to say it's not just going to be money that solves it right it's it's Absolutely. denominations going this is important how are we going to bring about change and I know I've heard that the Baptists in a number of states have been addressing this over the yeah. last year or two and starting to really look at how to address it so and I'm sure there are yeah lots of others doing the same thing which mm. is good yeah that's brilliant but we'll take a while I guess well I think this is a real opportunity for the church at the moment isn't it with all the publicity around it and I think I hope that the majority of of church leaders will see that opportunity I don't want to keep talking about world vision all the time but um uh there's a program that world vision has been running in the Solomon Islands Mm -hmm. oh yes talk about that yeah because it kind of you know obviously it's I think it's I I think what's interesting for me and probably why I felt uptight even about coming to tonight's episode and reading that, that article mm. over the last couple of days of going, oh, wow, it is so, it's so prevalent in our own backyard mm. because perhaps with my work in international development, you're kind of going, oh, well, in those areas this happens yeah, and it's terrible, problem. blah, 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 it's their problem. Because in we did um, some work a number of years ago, probably three years ago now, um, where the Solomon Islands are, have 64% of the women have suffered sexual or physical violence or both from an intimate partner. So 64%. Wow. And would, wouldn't you love the fact that 90% of the nation is Christian, <laughs> Catholic or yeah, um, Roman Catholic or um, evangelical, whatever, from a number of different areas. So uh, to bring about change in that because World Vision is faith-based, a Christian organisation themselves, they were able to go in and work with the bishops and the key Methodist pastors mm. and, and ran workshops for sort of like three days at a time where you'd get all of these men, of course, um, <laughs> in the room. And um, they do this beautiful thing. It's called Channels of Hope. They do these things where they get them to draw their view, their picture of how a man and a woman relate. Mm. And apparently you can see like, incredible pictures of these men sort of towering over these smaller female um, pictures and then they go and use the bible to actually help them see that women should be valued and are made Mm. in the image of god and just Mm. all this stuff that actually is already sitting in the bible but they weren't actively teaching on or um speaking out about Mm. and then at the end redrawing their view and having these beautiful pictures of you know equal (laughs) figures of a man and a woman and um the view of women had changed so significantly and then they go out into the community and preach and teach and speak into their congregation members lives basically Mm. to try to um, address that issue so i think that model can work and looks like just based on what we've heard this week that model probably could be replicated in some form yeah, um, here in Australia and could bring about real change. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I found it interesting. Like I said, Rog was really, um, he was almost taken aback that, mm. that the stats were so high. Like you were saying, Shell, that you don't want to think about it happening in your own backyard. Mm. But I just feel like it's such a small step from where we are to what could happen. Like I'm not mm. saying 
that it's a small step in in my own no. marriage or in any of the marriages that I know. But I just feel like even in a, I'm doing air quotes, a good <laughs> church, which I feel like I am a member of, yes. you know, and have been, mm-hmm. I still feel like it's still quite a small step from being, and I would say, you know, like, like you were saying, Ursh, that mm. a lot of Christian families are complementarian. Mm. I think it's, yeah, a small step from, from there to some kind of abuse, whether mm. that's emotional or sexual or, or um, domestic violence mm. situation. Mm. Mm. And that's, I guess that's what really scares me yeah. the most is that it's, people think that it's so far removed, removed from mm. what we know. I just feel like it's just that tiny little step from justifying this behavior to justifying that behavior. Yes. And I, yeah, I think that's yeah. what, what scares me the most, so as true. I said, not in my own situation. So I, I have never felt that, but yeah, I, I can see it happening. I think it's why, and I think there was um, some beautiful older woman Anglican bishop on that 7.30 report who talked about how important women's voices are in the church and, again, how it can seem Mm. maybe we don't even notice, well, I notice, but maybe some people don't even notice how male-centric church services often are. Um, That's so true. You know, Mm -hmm. like all that kind of thing, you know, where women's voice isn't seen or their faces aren't seen or their stories aren't heard, and certainly if they're not seen as leaders um, or able to speak in the same fashion as men, then they are seen as lesser and not as powerful, I feel, by default. Yeah, yeah. and it's not by design and it's not on purpose most of the time. Mm. It's just how, how things have been for so long that it is, it's just so ingrained and accepted. Mm. People and don't even so notice. Unusual. Yeah, mm. it's, it's so unusual and almost uncomfortable for people to have women where men have been. I know mm. that I've been mm. in conversations where in a service if there's a woman leading the worship, doing the offering and doing the preaching – it's like, oh, maybe that's not very balanced. Maybe we better put a man in there somewhere to do the offering message or something. Whereas you'd never say that if it was a male worship leader, a male right. offering, a male preacher, you know. And so those <laughs> kind of things need to change as well. I mean, I'm not saying it should be all one or all the other, but the fact that we it's notice all, it. It should be irrelevant. Yeah. Mm. I love that's this um, in Song of Songs. The I'm just reading through some of the notes. Um, the woman in the song is like rejecting her brother's strategy of trying to put protective rules around her and like as if they're saying, you know, she needs to be shielded from her own mind and her own sexuality and they'll control it, you know, from her beloved. And she goes, my vineyard is my very own for myself. I'm like, that is awesome. (laughs) Can we call it our vineyard from now on? Can we? Our vineyard. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's fair to say if any of our one or two listeners are experiencing anything mm. like the domestic violence space that I do wonder like how much they feel they can, people feel they can speak to anybody about it, but mm. just to reach out to a friend, just one person. Yes. And if you are that friend who gets reached out to do something, don't, please don't just do the try it, stay in the marriage, make it work 
thing. I think that's one thing I'm going to take away from this is um, it's not okay. Yeah. yeah and right. if we're talking about domestic violence being a physical thing, that is, I know it's extreme, but that's a legal matter. Physical violence is mm. physical violence and you you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't accept in your workplace, um, you know, someone bashing someone else or someone yelling at someone else. You know, mm. it's just it's wrong. Actually, that just reminds yeah. me. There's an Esther Perel um, podcast. I was listening to her with Tim Ferriss. I think uh, I don't agree with all her views. She's very much a polygamist and a bit out there for me. But she says she's so surprised in her counselling practice how people who say that they are lovers and they are best friends and this is the most important person in the world to them, how they treat one another. And it really made me reflect as well on some of the ways that I Mm -hmm. talk to my husband and even my daughter at times because you're in that close intimate relationship and you see each Mm -hmm. other day in, day out good and bad mood and yet we can treat one another um like they're not the most precious thing in the world to us when they are and we can say things or we can behave in ways that we would never to our friends or our work colleagues or whatever yeah that's right that's what i mean it's such a a small small step step, isn't it i think you're so right tam this is probably a really good point to mention the white ribbon hotline 1800 Mm. respect the white ribbon website has Loads of great resources about domestic violence if it's something that you need some more information on um, for yourself or for someone you know. 1-800-737-732 is the hotline. Also, you can find our show notes, um, including the resources that we've mentioned, on faithdisrupted.com. And you can connect with us at Facebook or on Twitter because we'd love to continue this conversation further with you guys. Um, And remember to subscribe at iTunes and leave us a review because that helps to get the word out to more people so that we can continue having these conversations. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.